Hi, Megan. <laughs> Hello. <How are> you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Here we are. Episode two, Feminist Fiction. And uh, thank you so much, everybody, for your, all your enthusiasm and for wanting us to do another one because we're just, yeah, we're obsessed with ourselves and we want to hear ourselves <laughs> talking. <laughs> Nobody asked for it originally, but yeah. It's been so nice. We've had such nice feedback on the first one. I think we didn't know, did we, how it was going to go down. And yeah. Um, whether people would never want to hear from us again. <laughs> but here we are, <laughs> back for episode two. Yeah, so, and how, yeah. how are you as well? I'm good. I've recently, as you know, been in South Korea for my brother's wedding, which was Yeah, tell everybody about it. It was so nice to be out of England. I hadn't left the country for like four years. So it was kind of going from one extreme to another um, in that it was, you know, it's like a 12-hour flight. It's really far. Mm. Um, but it was it was great to be in Korea. It's, it's an amazing country. And obviously to see my brother and his wife get married. They were actually already married, but their wedding was postponed for two years. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Oh, it sounds um, so amazing. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's partly why, I mean... I don't know, we've thought about maybe doing this podcast more often, which is a possibility, but I've just been away for ages, so that's why this episode's coming a few weeks later. Yeah, I think that kind of all depends on whether people want it or not. So if you're interested, yeah. keep letting us know, because we'd love yeah. to do more. Yeah. And how, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, fine. Just, uh, like I said, um, for the listeners, Natalie and I, actually went to karaoke at the weekend mm. which was great and really that did really lift my spirits because I've been a bit down in the dumps and doing something as for I, I don't think I've ever laughed that hard I can't remember laughing that much <laughs> ever it was really good really really good I highly recommend it for anyone who's feeling a bit blue because I've just been stressed with work and trying to get a new job and stuff in this totally changed my whole mindset plus seeing you again I have missed you <laughs> yeah it was really good I think also I don't know about you but like it was a karaoke booth place mm -hmm. and whenever I've done karaoke before it's like live performance and having yeah. that element of it removed definitely does make it less stressful and that you're not definitely like performing to a room full of people it was more it was definitely more fun yeah, we just really didn't have any inhibitions because <laughs> it was just us and, like, your boyfriends and stuff. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, so me and our friend Saffron brought our boyfriends along and there was one point where me, you and her went to the toilet and the, we just left the two of them singing Robbie Williams in a room <laughs> to each other. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> Very cute, yeah. And you said that they were, like, really going for it as well. I don't, I don't even think they were sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, my personal highlight was you and Saffron screaming, uh, good for you, like at the top, <laughs> at the top of their lungs. I just couldn't stop laughing. It was so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, this episode is about friendship and yeah, I thought maybe we can just say a, a little bit about, um, our own friendship before we obviously start talking about a load of like books and, um, films and TV shows yeah. about friendship, which Thank you so much, everybody, for all your suggestions. And it's really uh, good because everything you suggested, we were already thinking about, talking about. So that really shows we're all on the same page. And I just love all you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, and it's obviously such a, like, wide topic. So we've yeah. get through different, like, elements of it. But with, I mean, with our friendship, we actually haven't been friends for that long. We're relatively new yeah. friends. Yeah. And so when was it? I think maybe 
October that I joined mm-hmm. the book club, which is how I met yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Actually, it was sooner, sooner than that. I'm sure it was, like, summer, but, yeah, basically we've yeah. only yeah, been friends, like, half that, yeah. a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we'll be coming up to a yeah. year then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a year. <laughs> Our friendship anniversary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so cute. We Happy should do anniversary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should. Um, but, yeah, like... I think it's still worth talking about, even though obviously our friendship it, it has only been around for a little bit. It has had a, a massive impact in my life. Um, yeah, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I think um, yeah. it's definitely, for me, it's like those friendships that you make as an adult. I have found it really hard to make friends as an adult, like friends that are really yeah. on your wavelength. And also just finding methods of of finding friends so you know when I started the book club um that that was a huge thing for me I I was feeling really lonely and I had really hoped I would meet some close friends through it and you know as I got to know you really felt like we were on the same page with so much stuff we're having those of fun together as well as sharing a lot of the same ideas and yeah, it was yeah. everything I had wanted, really. <laughs> I think it's something that's like has been really great about the book club because I feel like a, probably the majority of people that have joined are looking to make friends and are in yeah. a position of you know maybe moving to a new city or mm. whatever, or just wanting to meet new people. And I do think that like compared to maybe friends that you have from a really young age, in some ways you have more, whilst it's harder, you also have more choice, don't you? Like you can be yeah. more like, these are the people I want to be friends with as an adult. Definitely. You know, it's like, whereas I guess, yeah, when, when you have friendships from a younger age where you can both change so much and different things can happen in your life, the thing that's gluing you together, not always obviously, you know, but can, can be your history more than mm. choice. It's almost like family, like... Yeah, definitely. I think it's just kind of very much so for me, an active choice now in a way that it hasn't ever been before. Like I think coming into my 30s, I I really only want people in my immediate circle who I who really make me feel good mm. and who make me feel like the best version of myself like you do. Yeah. And you know, I don't think I really did that at all in my 20s. I People kind of came and went. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But I didn't feel like I was making that, you know, that active choice to say. I think because I'm really happy on my own now. I don't really need anybody. Mm. So if someone's going to come into my space, it's going to be very much because they bring so much to it like you do. Mm. Also, it's really interesting, like something like me and my partner have talked about quite a lot because I think we're similar in this way is like we tend both the both of us have lots of like good friendships rather mm-hmm. than like a big friendship group and yeah when I was like I mean when I was at school I had a bigger friendship group and I guess that's just because you're at school and there's more of you around and I had it for a bit at university but honestly it was quite I'm like if only they're gonna be listening to this <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was quite like shallow at university the big like I felt like I didn't have any really strong friendships it was just a lot of mm. like acquaintances almost and then you know but like throughout my life I've had like one really good friend shout out to Heidi who I love since I was like a teenager um and if and a few from that age rather than like a big group and I feel like there's sometimes a 
bit of like stigma around that I don't know about you but it's like sometimes I feel like there's an idea that you should have like a massive friendship group and that just having like a few Mm. close friends means that you're like I don't know not popular Mm. enough or something (laughs) you know oh definitely especially in my early 20s um which actually might be a good one to start with this new show of Dolly Alderton's because I really like I, I really saw myself in that show in turn, and I think everybody did that's in the book club by the sounds of it, just in the sense that I was really dying for attention and, ha- you know, wanting to have a lot of people around in, in the way that the main character Maggie does in that show. And it's called Everything I Know About Love, right? Yeah, um, it's based on Dolly Alderton's memoir of the mm-hmm. same name, which is kind of about her and her childhood best friend getting older and this and her and her best friend getting a serious boyfriend for the first time and sort of how that impacts their friendship um yeah that's a problem that I've had so many times and actually at the weekend you know after quite a few drinks (laughs) I was just gushing at Natalie about how much I really like her boyfriend because I think that is very very difficult in a friendship if if the boyfriend kind of takes um, a friend away from you or if you feel that way, that can be really hard. For me, it's been hard um, as when I've been single. But just in general, even when I've not been single, I, yeah, I, I totally get that, what, what that dynamic was in that show. But also Birdie is quite annoying herself. It's not just the boyfriend, is it? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's quite different from the book, I think, in that, like, you don't... Mm you get a different impression of this character from this show. And I guess it's interesting that they've given them different names. It's not like Dolly. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's on purpose in order to have a kind of more fictionalised version of it. And there's more drama in it. Mm. But she is a bit um, uptight, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. To to the point in the show where I felt like I wasn't... I almost couldn't understand why they were friends. Do you know what I mean? Like, they seem so different. And they do talk about that as, like, a positive thing. But it's, like... But they are... They're, like, completely different ends of the spectrum in terms of Maggie being this, like, kind of wild party girl. And Birdie being, like, very much, like, I want to get settled down and have a family Mm. and, like... But not not just in that way, like, in her personality, isn't it? Like, Mm. she's she's kind of um a bit like I want to use the word like prissy like definitely and I mean I I have encountered similar problems and I I have to say for me it's been because I I have needed friends like I've moved cities a lot and when I've when I have arrived in new cities it's been you know more important to me to have friends than like do these friends really suit me and I guess that's you know I didn't experience the same thing as Birdie and Maggie experienced when they grew up together and then kind of drifted apart but it's the same kind of problem isn't it where you make friends with someone almost out of necessity and because um you know like for them they would have had it seemed like they had so much fun in their lessons and outside of school just doing dance routines and things but then as an adult it became you know do we actually have our core values in common and that is really big for me now Mm. you know like how with you and I um we're both Maggie's (laughs) Mm. yeah we're definitely more (laughs) 
maybe yeah. we've like calmed down a bit, obviously. But also I think that we um, really, maybe we don't, and there's nothing wrong with Birdie's values, but f- the reason that our friendship works, I think, is because we don't really value having perfect china dishes like she does. And, you know, we often talk, don't we, about how a lot of people our age are talking about mortgages and buying houses and, they and have things. They in the show, don't they? Like, yeah. Um, they have, you know, like Maggie comes back and Birdie and her boyfriend are there with another couple and they're talking about mortgages. Um, mm. I mean, it is like, Stephanie, like, I'm... 29 and you're 32 right yeah yeah so we're both like it's like there's something is about this age where everyone starts talking about mortgages and, I just, and babies I mean, and yeah yeah babies like are you gonna get married all these questions start coming up and like I do feel though like I mean I'm too poor to be anywhere near having a mortgage <laughs> yeah that's so it's a central like, problem not, <laughs> not even on the cards for me but even if it was like I just don't think I'd want to talk about it like it's, mm. it seems so boring as a thing but I guess it's just like yeah where you are where you're at in your life but even then I'm like I'd still rather talk about like people's like love lives or you know mm. what, what stuff what tv they're watching or like all of those things seems more interesting to me than talking about mortgages and stuff like that yeah I think there was I, I think probably my favorite scene in the whole thing was that scene where Birdie's with her boyfriend and and a couple who they found and that seems very specific to 20s to 30s kind of age group where if you're in a couple and you do care about things like mortgages and getting your ducks in a row, you do almost want to find a another couple to hang out with. And that dinner table situation, like I've been there so many times and not been able to say really anything about the mortgage and the house, mm. the floors of the house or what we're doing mm. to redecorate. And I, I do really feel strongly, I agree with you, that I would be happy to have all those things but I I would personally be miserable if that was all I was talking about. Like, I just need people around me who want to talk about other things, which is why the book club is so great, because you can always talk about culture. And I'm just so much more interested in that. Mm, and also how, like, again, I thought this show raised this quite well of, like, how when they... <laughs> when when people move into that area of their lives like sometimes and I think it they show this in the show there seems to be a kind of like um dismissiveness then of your of your friends who are not doing that or who or who are still you know going out and drinking and partying or doing yeah things. it's kind of like yeah you know like I was even talking to a friend of mine who uh has quite a lot of older friends and mm. who are in this position of like getting a mortgage doing those things and she said she was talking about um like a boy situation a love life situation mm. and her friends were very much just like very dismissive of it kind of like oh can you like mm. can we stop talking about this like yeah you know, it was like it wasn't important and it was kind of like frivolous or something and then they yeah, spent like hours talking about a mortgage you know and she was like yeah. why is like my thing no longer important and like I really thought you got that mm. in this. It was like their values as friends had just changed so much that it was like, yeah, they didn't really connect anymore. Yeah, because ultimately, like, if you don't have all those things together, 
and I want to be super clear, there's nothing wrong with having all those things and wanting to talk yeah. about them. But I think what you're saying is, is exactly, that's exactly it. Because if, if you don't have all those things together, for whatever reason, it can, it can feel really a bit miserable if no, if no one wants to hear your news. And, and what are you, what are you meant to talk about if not the people you're dating? And what, yeah. I guess it's the fact that it's, all that stuff is, is dismissed as silly at a certain age that Maggie finds herself kind of but actually there's there's an element of this show where it's mostly just about the young 20s isn't it where Maggie is really she's going a bit too far off the rails which I definitely identify with that as well like I'm glad that I've calmed down a bit (laughs) yeah and I do think that it was good they sort of showed her also behaving quite badly and that like on the flip yeah. side of this, I definitely have experienced, like when I was at university, I was in a long-term relationship and I got like, it was like my friends who I lived with were like really annoyed at me for like having a boyfriend and spending time mm. with him. Mm. And I think you get, she does that a bit in this show. Like she's yeah. very friendly towards him. She's not really yeah. very welcoming. And I think that can often just push you further in the, in the direction of the boyfriend do you know what I mean and that you're like oh well you're yeah when I do spend time with you you're making me feel guilty about it or you mm. know you're um you're you're not like you not approving of my relationship is like doesn't make you feel better about that person and yeah. I think yeah it's complex isn't it but I thought that was good because I was like she also doesn't really behave very well you know yeah and I think like the central premise of the show is that they are just too codependent which that is the case with with young friendships and like at this point in our lives we have had a bit of therapy and and learned a bit about what's healthy what a healthy boundary is because for example there's a scene where Maggie accidentally go walks in on um, Birdie and her boyfriend having sex but then afterwards um instead well she does apologize but she wants them to hang out with her um and then she's miserable that they won't and Mm. actually she invaded their private time and Mm. these are things that you do learn as you get older that actually as much as you love a friend they they can't they can't be there for you all the time and that's been a big lesson Mm. for me just knowing how to be alone I think that is a lifelong lesson and I've really had to learn that you know like especially with the pandemic I've kind of been alone so so much it's definitely helped me to realize that friends are are fantastic and they're there for you when you need them but you've got to be able to rely on yourself which she's not able to do at at this age in this point of the story so she is quite annoying for Birdie as well isn't she yeah also it's like I don't know whether you think this, but well, I'm interested, like, have you ever had, like, a friendship breakup? Have you ever, like, broken up with Yeah. And, like, how definitely. have you done it, if so? <laughs> I think, like, breaking up with friends is so hard, because you, yeah. I don't know, it's so much harder. I, I can't really describe how, how I've done it. So I think when I was younger, I've done it a lot less fairly. I've broken up with friends in the past very abruptly and like I think you and I have spoken a bit and kind of worked out together almost that we're both quite avoidant people and when I was younger um you know I don't know if maybe some people don't know about this but it's called attachment styles and to be avoidant is to um run away from things um when they are triggering and difficult 
And I think I definitely do that. So, so in the past, I've had difficult friendships and I've just gone really cold on people. And I'm definitely learning um, to really try a bit harder, you know, if someone is upsetting me for whatever reason, to discuss it. And yeah. now in adult life, I've really tried to be very open about what they've done to hurt me, give them more chances. And yeah, and... I think that is going better, even though obviously I'm still occasionally having friendship breakups. Unfortunately, it's not unfortunately, is it? Because it's it, sometimes it's just healthy. Sometimes you're not right for another person. Mm. Have you it's experienced like, that? Yeah, I mean, it's felt. It feels like there's no real like precedent for doing it. Like there is for relationships. Like it's almost like mm. you know you're, you're taught with like romantic relationships. I mean where that that's how you if you want it to be over you end it and you break up and you have a conversation mm. I definitely think I have had like friendships and and usually what's happened is that there's been an issue and then maybe I've tried to address it with them and then mm. I've felt like it's not really addressed or mm-hmm. doesn't get better and then I just sort of like slowly back out it's like that simple yeah. meme with like <laughs> yes I just which yeah. is like I would never do that in a romantic relationship and it is mm. a good way of managing it really like but it just feels so harsh to be like I don't want to be your friend anymore it feels very like yeah um play school as well <laughs> but like yeah it's it, I guess it should be normal to be able to have that conversation and be like I wish you all the best but I suppose because less is maybe expected from a friendship than a than a romantic relationship there's something that feels particularly like brutal about being like mm. I I don't like you so much that I don't <laughs> want you in any way in my life like even with a romantic relationship you might be like oh we'll stay friends or we'll meet up occasionally or something mm. but to be like no I don't even I don't want to be your friend like, yeah I mean um uh, this is something that maybe I think I've watched the season and you haven't we said didn't we but um we both love the series Insecure and in the final series of that show, um, it's two main characters. Well, the main character is Issa, who's hilarious. And um, her best friend is Molly, who's very different to her. And it's the same kind of dynamic almost where Molly is much more uptight than Issa. Um, And their lives begin to drift further and further apart to the point where in the final series, they make the friendship breakup the central storyline, which I thought was really great. And I hadn't seen that before that show. I mean, that show was out a lot earlier than everything I know about love. And what I enjoyed about watching that was it was that they really tried, though. It, it, you know, they really, really... Because they'd been friends for an awfully long time, they kept sitting down and discussing it. Um, but it was just the nuanced way that they did it was was really interesting um what do you think about those two characters I know you haven't seen the final series but did you enjoy it yeah I can see why they would not be friends anymore and I think Mm -hmm. it's a long time since I've seen it but they've like they've been friends for a long time haven't they yeah yeah I think I would find that like particularly painful when I think about my really good friend who I've known for a long time like I would find it super super difficult like probably more so than any romantic breakup I've had if for whatever Mm. reason our friendship was to end yeah Um, you know like heart like heart totally heartbreaking it would be like real Mm. grief I think um but at the same time it's like 
it is difficult, I guess, in the same way that, it, again, it's, that it's difficult for romantic relationships, for lots of different things to change in your life, for you, mm-hmm. you're going to become a different person, really. I think that we are different people throughout our whole lives. And mm. for friendships to be able to sustain that entire time yeah, definitely be a challenge, you know? Yeah, well... Um... One thing that everybody raised uh, that we should talk about is the Eleanor Ferranti books. They're like your favourite books, aren't they? And that is <laughs> yeah. all about friendship over a long course yeah, of time, lifetime. isn't it? Yeah, and I think that is a really good example because it's their lives diverge. You know, they're both from Naples, very, very like working class mm. upbringing and this really strong kind of local community. And it's told from the perspective of Lanou, who kind of leaves that situation and she's she goes on to write and have a quite sort of intellectual academic career, which is very, very different for from where she's come from. And then mm. her best friend, Leela, who is kind of interesting because she is sort... Whilst you're getting... It's a first-person narrative and it's all from Lanou's mm. perspective, you... You, so you're seeing her through her eyes, I suppose. But mm. she's kind of portrayed as more intelligent at school, like very kind of vivacious, like bold character who, you know, men fall in love with all the time because mm. she's kind of like this passionate person. And Lanou really looks up to her. And yet the way that Leela's life kind of pans out is she she stays in that community without like giving too many spoilers and is very much involved in um the things that they were brought up with which has a lot of challenges and negative sides to it um and I think that thing of like almost like uh you know coming from the same background and then just like ascending that in some way Mm. and what happens then with the friendships you have that are based on your upbringing or based on you coming from the same place and when that when your lives change how Mm. does a friendship keep going and they have all kinds of challenges to their friendship and times when they're very much not friends really or there's real conflict in the friendship yeah I think it really explores like jealousy within friendships very well because as much as Lanou is jealous of Lila for getting all of this attention from men and um for just being very very charming to everyone she meets it works the other way as well because really um Lila doesn't have the opportunities that Lanou does her family can't afford to send her to university and um and really it ends up I don't know I haven't actually finished the final novel but it feels like the direction that it kind of goes is that without it this doesn't spoil much that um Lanou's life just is more prosperous as a result of it's it's more enjoyable as a result of her being able to afford um a university experience and through that she meets really interesting people and the world opens up to her which I think is definitely an interesting part of like why I've bonded with people in my adult life like mostly people who have also experienced those things and mm. it can be difficult going home now um and trying to find common ground with people who didn't leave I think it just really explores that so well yeah and I think it's like she's she kind of like uses Leela in lots of ways 
you know, she kind of like mines her like stories and her lives mm. for stuff that she does in a way that's like almost a bit exploitative and like I think it mm. explores how people can can do that. Like I mean I'm mm. not gonna like I've definitely had friendships that have bordered on that, you know, in the past where yeah. like I've been like used or it feels transactional in a weird way. Mm. Um and I think yeah, I like really like you say, whilst Lanou is, is jealous of her, she also kind of I think use maybe uses that as an excuse. It's like her admiration for Leela. She mm. means that she thinks that she's fine and she can, you know, use her in mm. this way. Um when obviously that's bad. That's really <laughs> bad. Yeah, you know? but it's interesting to think about as well, like what is Leela uh, getting getting from this because yeah I agree with you I've had relationships like that friendships like that where I've even had friendships where they're taking money from me taking mm. boyfriends from me kind of thing mm. um, but having somebody looking up to you mm. does give you like a validation I think it explores that well too like Leela's not this perfect person mm. um, and the opposite way round as well it's just really difficult I feel like for example with you and I I mean obviously it's only been a year but I do really feel like we're equals like that we give each other advice that no one's really well so far you know I mean I do think you're absolutely stunning and amazing (laughs) but I I feel like we're on a level playing field it makes it sound like I also think I'm like that that's not what I meant but you know Plus, I do feel like when, for me, going into new friendships, like with you, mm-hmm. like I love you and I I think I'm, because it's a new <laughs> friendship, I think I've thought much more about my behaviour probably than I have with Yeah, me too. Because yeah. Like, I want her to be my friend. And, oh. like, <laughs> I'm like, be a good friend. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've yeah. actively thought about that, which has been really good. Like, I think. Yeah, it has been good. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because like, with older friends you sometimes you do slip into almost like treating them like your family and that's bad as well when I say that you know I can be really cruel to my family and I can be really cruel to very old friends I think you need to almost actively choose to be kind but when you're super super comfortable with someone Mm. it's easy to slip into just lashing out almost yeah it's like habitual the way that you are with each other I think yeah trying to sort of actively think about being a good friend and I do think as well like we're come we've like met at a certain point in our lives and like as we were talking to him like jealousy and Mm. um success within relationships Mm. I think is an interesting thing because like with the two of those characters they've in some ways they're quite similar in terms of like both you know being good at they're both the top of their class and like yeah write stories and these things but one of them does really well and one of them uh, one of them doesn't Mm, mm. and like we talked about for this episode um the interestings by meg wallitzer which i really loved which is Mm. about four friends and two of them become very successful and famous and the other two don't and they kind of have ordinary lives and I felt like that book explores the kind of difficulty of that within friendships of like <laughs> if you're friends when you're young where you think you're going to end up as friends mm. and then where you do end up is quite yeah. painful I think for those 
people if you're like, oh, we both wanted the same thing and you've got it. Yeah. Like I also think as well, it's just a practicality thing because for me, I've had friends as an adult that I just couldn't keep up with, you know, like realistically, (laughs) however much I love them, you know, like I couldn't afford to be doing the things they wanted Mm. to do. So money, I guess it like, yeah, that's that's another good point, isn't it? Like, Mm thinking about finances because I guess I was thinking of success in terms of like career success which oh yeah I mean yeah I mean different things but also money and the interesting does explore that as well doesn't it in that two of the characters have a lot of money as a result of their success um Mm -hmm. there's that good friends episode where like who is it like Ross Monica and um Chandler go out for dinner for one of their birthdays and they all have money and Rachel Phoebe and Joey don't have any money oh yeah that's right friends probably should say yeah me and Ross rewatched some of it recently is like incredibly date like does not age well (laughs) (laughs) some of the episodes are shocking so I think it's worth saying that but in this episode in particular I thought it was a good exploration of that issue of like as you start to get older and some Mm. people start to earn a lot of money and it's yeah. like, we're all going on holiday or like, you know. Oh yeah, like that pressure, yeah. especially for me, I feel like when somebody wants to do, you know, like a do and mm. like their weddings and things, which is great. And obviously I want to have fun, but that expectation um, and almost like burden that that puts on you if you're not rich it's quite a trial of a friendship, especially, you know. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And it's really, like, bad, I think, when people don't think about that or have those expectations. Mm. And I think Hindu's a good example because it's, like, when it's attached to, like, a wedding, which is, like, an important emotional event in someone's life, there's all of this expectation to, yeah, then, like, bet, to pay for that and to be there for that. It's, it's almost like... Yeah. If you're not willing to pay for this, then you don't, like, care enough about the friendship or something, right? Yeah, oh, my God, definitely. Actually, that does lead us on. We were going to talk about bridesmaids, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such such a great film. For, I guess, for anyone that hasn't seen Bridesmaids, it's, a, it's about... Um, well, the central character, her best friend, is getting married and she is made into the maid of honour and there's several mm-hmm. other bridesmaids. Um one is like her husband's sister right um I think Mm. one is someone that she works with and one is like a like a couple friend someone she's met through a couple friend who's like incredibly beautiful like yeah like just coming back to that it it comes back to that dinner table thing doesn't it like she's the person that the the bride has met who's like a sort of aspirational friend like you can be part of my brand new life with my brand new husband and Mm, I just I find it so spot on this movie because (laughs) I have you know as somebody who doesn't have all those things that I suppose you're meant to have by your 30s that would so be me being like Kristen, mm. Kristen Wiig's character, who is so, so jealous of this woman mm. who's getting everything right as mm. the maid of honour, in the maid of honour role. But what's the main character called? The funny one. I can't, well, I can't remember the character's name. It's Kristen Wiig, isn't it? But Yeah, yeah. It was like, 
she's so like, much more fun and they have like a real bond yeah like they have a, a really strong friendship but I, th- I think actually through this discussion we are not being we're not really talking enough about how important those friendships are from a long long time mm. you know I have a couple of friends that I've known since university who have got me through thick and thin. And you can just tell in this movie, that's the kind of friendship that they've got that's Mm. going to survive absolutely anything at this point. They've weathered so many storms together and they can always laugh together. And I think this bride trying to get her brand new friend, who she's known for 10 minutes, who's like part of just her new idea of a perfect life is really hurtful to mm. Kirsten Wiggs' um, character. And I just, mm. I love all the nuances of that. I totally identify with that, you know? It's funny because, like, I think they, they do quite a good thing of, like, you know, because Kristen Wiig is originally the maid of honour, isn't she? And then right, she, that's it, yeah. she, like, this other woman takes over, actually, at one point. Because basically, Kristen Wiig does quite a bad job in that she, like, do you remember she organizes that meal and, um, yeah, like they all get food poisoning. Oh, yeah. Like in the middle of a, in the middle of a wedding dress shop, they all like shit themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such like, a good movie. Incredible scene. Yeah. And as a result, the bride is like, look, this other woman, mm. she's just, this is just her thing. And she's right mm-hmm. in a way, isn't she? She's like, this is, she organises stuff all the time. Yeah. She's, like, she's done this before. Like, this is her arena and, and kind of decides she should be the maid of honour for that reason. But it's oh, nice because yeah. it's like, as the film goes on, you can see there's like nothing really, nothing will actually be able to replace this central friendship you know yeah even this woman who's very like flashy and like yeah in all kinds of ways is not able to replace that kind of lifelong friendship yeah because I think like with a lifelong friend you know you've been there usually you've been there through like griefs and I don't know depressions all sorts of things have happened and like toxic boyfriends you know I think the longer you're friends with someone the more you go through with them and it almost for me it feels like it doesn't matter at some point it doesn't matter how much you've got in common anymore although I am really lucky to have friends who I've got loads in common with who I've known for a really long time and it's just really special yeah yeah and I guess it is just like like any relationship almost like if you probably the reasons those relationships have sustained is because you have stuff in common like is because you get yeah on that's personalities true are like compatible and I think yeah like, it's when you know sometimes I think like if there's a kind of um problematic or like toxic kind of narrative to your friendship mm. like one thing that I we wanted to cover in this was like we were thinking about like queer relationships and queer friendships and like how we'd seen that uh, on in fiction and on screen and we were talking about the kind of role of the gay best friend and like uh, for example I think you know we could think of lots of examples where that's really problematic I think and you know having viewing someone in that role of like gay best friend like sassy kind of gay best friend is not almost not to view them as a whole person right it's like oh yeah okay yeah I didn't know we were gonna go here that's really interesting I mean yeah I was thinking about um 
Cleopatra and Frankenstein, which we read for the book club recently, and their their friendship, which obviously is a, is a friendship, and it's I'm not trying to say that there is nothing there when you have that, but I think there's can definitely be an issue between like straight women and have it having like a you know a camp gay best friend who you've seen on like relationships like that in stuff like Sex and the City we talked about and like I felt like in Mm. that book it was maybe I love that book but it was one of the only things that I thought you know the relationship I'm talking about is between the central character Cleopatra and her Mm. friend Quentin who is um who's trans and like as it's almost like as their relationship goes on it kind of it kind of disintegrates as the book continues and I wondered, like, I'm not even sure this is whether this is what I think, but whether that's because it's a kind of, like, shallow friendship, you know, like, based and her view of him is, comes under that stereotype in some ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess I feel a bit, like, called out, but maybe, like, in a good way, because, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I, I have definitely really, really loved having, like, like for example when I love when I lived in London I lived with a gay man and we were the best of friends and I just I really hope that that was really reciprocal and that I gave as much in that as he did but I totally get what you're saying now that like you're I guess are you sort of saying that it's like almost seeing somebody as fun for you and not seeing him as a whole person or something like that it's definitely like I'm definitely not trying to say that like just having a gay best friend means that you're treating them in that way or in that stereotypical way I think like a better example for me is definitely sex in the city and the way that the gay best friends in that Mm -hmm. are are written and presented it's so interesting to me that it is written by a gay man that show yeah yeah but at the same time I feel like those characters get like you know the fact that like the two two of the women have these two gay mm. best friends and they pair them up at mm. one point right I'm with you like, now yeah that was really problematic yeah yeah I guess you like I, I totally get what you're saying with that and now I, I'm on board completely for me when I read Cleopatra and Frankenstein I thought that although Uh, Cleopatra and Quentin's friendship was problematic I don't think it was as problematic as that because I do feel like they were offering each other you know chosen family and I really think it did go more deeply than um the gay characters in Sex and the City Mm. with Carrie definitely I think Carrie does kind of what's his name um her best friend Stan- Stanley? Stan- yeah. <laughs> it's not Stanley, it's something else. Stanford. Sorry, guys. Stanford. Yeah. Like, yeah. really, she barely speaks to him, except for when she wants to go to a party. So now I'm with you, because that is really, mm. really bad. Mm. Whereas I do think Quentin plays a more active role. Uh, I mean, Cleopatra plays a more active role in Quentin's life, because mm. she supports him with his transness in like helping him find outfits and I I found that scene quite quite moving that he was able to be his true self around her although in the book club we did talk didn't we about how there was a scene also where he didn't feel comfortable 
to be his full self around her because he he would have liked to talk about his sexual experiences with her, but he felt as though it would almost be too much for her. Mm. Um, and I found that really interesting. Mm. Um, and also, you know, like, I felt like Quentin, like, they view Cleopatra as a much closer friend than Cleopatra mm. views Quentin to be. Mm. And that was interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, maybe, like, yeah, yeah. And also that, like, for Quentin's, like, story as it goes on is is not... Like, his life gets worse rather mm. than better. And she's not really helping him in any way with that, is she? She's pretty awful to him in that yeah, part of the book. Like, yeah, um, she doesn't really, like, care that much. It was one of the only mm. things that really, like, jarred to me in the book and that I was, like, it almost felt like the author, like, hadn't sort of mm. addressed the friendship properly and what happens with the friendship. It felt like it just kind yeah. of fizzles out. And I guess that is true of lots of friendships, but there was something interesting to me about, like, thinking about, you know, um, seeing, like, queer friendships on screen... And I definitely think, like, there's some really great modern examples. I'm thinking of, like, It's a Sin. Oh, you know, that was such like, a good show. I love yeah, that so much. Exactly. Yeah. And even, like, Heartstopper, which we're both, like, obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. Like, teenagers. And it's, oh, it's so I think cute. we've come a really long way in terms of seeing yeah. that represented in a good way. But, you know, when I think about, like, the, we both grew up in the 90s, and I felt like that trope was, like really prevalent mm. and strong um and it and yeah I mean not not good like um, yeah and definitely I think is Sex in the City is a good example of it being uh done really badly <laughs> and yeah. I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit about Sex in the City as friendship because I imagine yes you know I kind of want to say about like the real life friendship or lack thereof of like Kim Cattrall and um Sarah Jessica Parker because that's like so dramatic like to have had a friendship breakup so like in the public eye must have been really horrendous for both parties I think like oh it's awful really awful yeah and amazing how it is like actually you know obviously she Kim Cattrall left the show and Mm -hmm. how that is then become part of the narrative like real life has made its way into the sex in the city narrative with them yeah um what is the new season called just like that just like that and just like that yeah it's a crap (laughs) name for a tv show (laughs) Um, oh yeah I mean they tried didn't they to like to to acknowledge that with the text from Samantha and I think they tried their best but for me the show obviously well maybe it's not obvious but to me the show is just not the same without Samantha yeah and it's kind of I I don't know I actually found it kind of weird they're like text messages and stuff yeah so like in a way I think maybe like I don't know how but like for any again who any for anyone who hasn't seen this right Sex in the City for women living in New York was like Mm really big in like the 90s and then had a couple of films made in like kind of <laughs> I feel like anyone who bad. hasn't seen this show like must have been like under a rock like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah okay carry on sorry <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely I'm de- the thing I'm thinking about is like younger people though because I think we think oh that, yeah but like if you're if oh my you're god younger, we're so old part, it wasn't a part of your life was it so it's like yeah that's true we're very old you know, 
But yeah. it's recently come back with a new series called It's Just Like That, which doesn't involve <laughs> Samantha and it because it was so around these four characters who've become very iconic, right? Like I think there's like cocktails named after them and stuff and it's yeah. four yeah. friends. Um but Kim Cattrall left the show and she's not in it and she the main character, Carrie, gets like texts from her occasionally that are very like mm-hmm. I find it quite cheesy a lot of the time, the stuff that happens between the two of them, but like Yeah. I think that is a good... I do think Sex and the City is good at, like, um, exploring, like, conflict within friendships and, like, how that yeah. pans out. Because there's quite a lot of conflict between them over the yeah. series, different things, you know. Like, I think they together, really... Like, Sorry, go on. Like, yeah, they just... I mean, they, they weather it, don't they? Except for Samantha, I guess, who actually mm. is like, I'm out, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel like... Miranda and Charlotte's friendship, they really explore that well. I think they've always seemed to know... They're very knowing about the fact that those two are very different characters and that kind of comes back to what we were talking about before where if you if your values are quite different to your friends, that can be really problematic. Like, this is in a slightly different way. I mean, Miranda is not flighty in the way that Maggie is. Um, yeah. She's not a party animal or anything, but she's very like Charlotte is so traditional compared to her yeah and she feels judged by Charlotte a lot and that's difficult throughout the seasons and then the show isn't it yeah but they do like they do talk about it Mm. and they have arguments and these things and they kind of and they and then they stay friends and I think like I kind of do like that I think that that is a good like I think that's realistic and I think sometimes we're not we don't like normalize arguments within friendships or or fallouts yeah. it's like and people maybe would just think oh it's easier for me to just ghost them and not be their mm. friends anymore than saying this thing you did or this thing you said upset me like and yeah I, I want to talk about it mm. because we do that in romantic relationships do we like yeah fighting in romantic relationships is far more normal and accepted right yeah and like Fighting, not just fighting, but like fighting for the relationship. Because I think our society really puts romantic relationships on a pedestal. And so you're taught that you're meant to fight for it. You're meant to constantly discuss it all the time. If there's any sort of problem, you sit down and you talk about it. And actually with friendships, I have found that harder to do Mm. because... I don't know why. Why is it harder? I don't think it's like really normalised. And it's weird because actually it is when you're like at school. Like I remember Mm -hmm. when I was like little, having fallouts with my friends quite a lot, but we'd like get over it quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was like we'd have a little fallout and then the next day you basically would be friends again. And it was all like, but then you get older and I don't know, I think people are more reserved maybe than they are as children or like more inhibited and it feels much more dramatic to have a an argument with a friend mm, yeah um, definitely and I mean like when I'm thinking about my long-term best friend we haven't fallen out much but we have fallen out sometimes and I mm-hmm. do think the reason we're still friends is because we've actually been able to go like that thing you did upset yeah me. definitely definitely you know I feel the same way like with my oldest friend yeah she and I are very very open like almost to a fault and just be like I feel like this and how did that make you feel and I think like 
when I say to a fault, I guess it's just because we're both very interested in like feelings and mm. therapy and all sorts of things like that. And like, I yeah. kind of love to explore. That's why I like this, you know, I love exploring characters because I want to think as well about my own behavior and other people's behavior. And she's really good at communicating all of that. But sometimes I feel like what I do in friendships, sometimes try and get that out of people too much. Some people really don't respond well to like those kinds of really deep intimate chats sometimes people really see friendship as like a surface level thing and they want to just have fun with friends and then have their deep personal things with romantic relationships I think for me personally I really realized through the pandemic especially that if I'm gonna have friends I really need them to be people who who are there for me emotionally yeah on a deeper level like on on like a romantic relationship kind of level you know yeah I mean I agree with you I think like maybe it's also that like just understanding that like different friends that can give you different things so like Mm. maybe you do have a friend who is really fun to go out with Mm. but they're not going to be there for you when it's things you know shit hits, hits the fan or whatever ideally like with us I would say you have everything I'm like you're the whole person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh love you <laughs> I know we should probably wrap up because oh yeah yeah yes Megan has to work so you know um <laughs> sorry guys but just quickly I was gonna say I wanted to just throw in a few like recommendations before we end. yeah go 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 like let's we do it with so much stuff for this and it was like hard to cover everything but my recommendations I wanted to also mention Queenie which we read for the mm-hmm. book club and explores different types of friendships I think very well and exploitation within friendships very well yeah we're both very sorry about this we read that ages and ages ago otherwise we would have discussed that at length so if people want to send us in like detailed analysis of Queenie I would absolutely love to share that on Instagram after this because mm-hmm. I did love it when I read it. it's just been so long ago yeah we didn't talk we said we were going to talk about this but the bold type which is a tv show on tv we're that obsessed we love, with that show maybe like a better more up-to-date version of sex in the city like i actually think if you're going to start yeah. either of those watch the bold type right girls in new york absolutely great fun i just have to say as well with with bold the bold type for me like cat is such an amazing character yeah. and just really inspirational character like I feel like if this is the only time we talk about the bold type and it's just been in this last two minutes I just want to say watch it and watch her story I just feel like it's such a powerful storyline how she kind of comes out as queer but in increments like not all at once she's kind yeah. of just working out her identity on the show over the series is and I just really cried nice. so much watching so many of the episodes that focused on her thinking like First of all, how great is it to see somebody grappling with that and not having, like, a final answer? And sometimes I feel like characters in general, even with Sex and the City, I would say, like, they can sometimes be a bit two-dimensional and, like, they're just... They are who they are and they don't really develop, whereas with her character, it really developed so well. I just love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think, like... Yeah, seeing her, like, make mistakes within that and kind of get things wrong and, and all of them. And they also have friendship arguments, I would say, on, yeah. on the reg and manage to come through it. Yeah. The other one I just thought is, like, if you enjoyed Maggie and everything I know about love and, like, wild partying, I think Animals by Emma Jane Unsworth, like, both the book mm. and the film. 
I heard it described as with nail and eye, but with women. And I think that's quite a good description in terms <laughs> of this like sordid, like crazy party animal life that these two women have. Yeah, I think that's worth fun. saying as well. Like, I think it's definitely worth saying that as much as we've been hyping up characters like Maggie, who are a bit wild, for me personally, like sometimes for me, it's not always good to have like two really wild characters together, like in that book. I think it's quite you do need people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also was thinking, like, for just an old one, Emma by Jane Austen, I think is a good, oh, a good example of, yeah, like, always. class within friendship and manipulation. And, yeah. Do you know, I think ones. I can think of other ways that we can talk about Emma next time. I've got ideas. Cause, and that's one of my favourite books. So I feel like I can't just leave it there. I'm okay, like, yeah. nothing. We'll save more of Emma for a future. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've got to go, guys. I'm so sorry, but um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Just like reminiscing about friendship and like yeah, bonding with you. So it's always good. Yeah, totally. Just we could probably even have talked for hours about just how much we love each other. But luckily, we did try and incorporate <laughs> I don't know some that other they stuff. Want to hear that. Yeah, no one needs that. <laughs> just like love fest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah rate and review and subscribe um it really helps us get the podcast out to lots of people so yeah literally like if you've made it to the end we love you so much it really means so much to us that anyone would like a hundred people listen to our last one and we're like obsessed with that we're so so happy that anyone bothered to tune in thank you so much (laughs) yeah exactly so great for like a first ever episode we're really delighted so Yeah, if you like this episode, please share it with lots of people. And thank you for listening. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Bye.